Hello there, and welcome to another Argus Weight of Freight podcast, where we discuss developments in the commodity markets and their relationships with the shipping sector. My name is Andrew Koh. I'm the Asia-Pacific Freight Editor. And joining me today are Aldrich Chu, the Editor for the Asia-Pacific Products, and Sean Zhuang, Senior Freight Reporter. This podcast, recorded on the 22nd of July, is going to focus on the recent volatility in clean tanker freight rates, specifically on the Mideast Gulf to East Asia route and its correlation with the clean product markets. Sean, let's start off with you. Why did freight rates move higher in June? Hello, Andrew and Audric. Thanks for having me. So yeah, clean freight rates have moved higher on the LRs and MRs tankers in the first half of June. Freight rates climbed to over two years high of WorldSQ 300 for LR2, WorldSQ 360 for LR1, and WorldSQ 500 for MRS on 15 June, from WorldSQ 215, 255, and 300s respectively on 1st of June. So this was mainly because of increased chartering activities. So Argus recorded a total of about 45 NAFTA fixtures from the Mid-East Gulf to Japan and East Asia during the first half of June. This was a 45% increase compared to about 31 fixtures two weeks before that. So in line with the increased activities, tonnage supplies teams as well. There was a 50% drop to 15 LR2 vessels during the first half of June as compared to 30 LR2 vessels during the same period from mid to end May. Tonnage supplies got so tight that there was only <laughs> two LR2 vessels left by 20th of June when freight rates were at their peak. This was shared by a shipbroker. Another reason for why rates were at two years high was because of a spike in clean cargoes going into the UKC. We noticed that freight rates for L2 from the Mid-East Gulf to UKC spiked as well to over $5 million by mid-June from low $3 million at the end of May. So this even attracted several dirty tankers to carry clean cargoes into the UKC. Thanks, Sean. Um, so let's jump over to you, Aldrich. Based on what Sean's mentioned, the reasons for the jump in clean tanker freight rates in the first half of June were mainly because of higher NAFTA demand from East Asia and stronger product demand from the West. Was there also an uptick in product prices? Where was the main demand center? And could you give us a rundown of what sparked this sudden uptick? Hi, Andrew. Hi, Sean. Again, thanks for having me. This is somehow my first podcast, despite being about eight years in Argus. So there are a few things that really sparked the increase in flows for freight and, of course, drug margins. So, of course, the first overarching one would really be the Russian-Ukraine crisis. So that has really pushed up prices in Europe quite a fair bit. So when I say push up prices, I mean your east-west spread for your gas oil actually fell to a minus $54.70. So just to really explain what east-west is and... You know, I've been speaking to a lot of shipbrokers and, of course, ship owners. They do have a lot of interest in the east-west, and I think that's something that they have not been really monitoring as much as they should. So the east-west spread actually means the price of the east price versus the price of the west price. So the more negative it is, you will likely see the flow move from east to west. And, of course, the more positive it is, you'll see the flow move from west to east. So in terms of Russia-wise, they are a very big producer of gas oil and they do produce uh, quite a or they do export quite a fair amount of gas oil to Europe. And so because of that, that's when we see the east-west widen up quite a fair bit and we see a lot of flows from here all the way upwards to the west. So mainly from the Mideast Gulf and of course from India itself. So India and Mideast Gulf gas oil are moving from east to west and of course you see quite a fair bit of new built VLCCs as well moving from east to west. That's really how drastic the situation was. The second thing when you mentioned on the strong enough demand in the east, that is a little bit contentious of sorts because at a point in time there was a lot of cracker run cuts but what we actually noticed was there was a lot of very strong reforming spread. So reforming spread is actually the gasoline minus the NAFTA price. And the stronger that price is, 
basically people will be more incentivized to blend NAFTA into your gasoline blend pool. And on 10th of June itself, we saw that reforming spread hit a record high of $72.15. So that means your gasoline price is about $72.15 more expensive than your NAFTA price. So I was selling Sean just now as well for gasoline itself. It's typically, you can either buy straight run from the refineries or you get a sort of blending involved, which can blend NAFTA with some form of mixed aromatics or alkylate or reformate, you know, to produce gasoline. So at the point in time with the reforming spread, so why NAFTA demand was quite short after in the East. The next thing, of course, was because of very, I'll say the NAFTA market was in a deep contango. So it's about minus five and it went all the way to minus 10 as well. So that means that, you know, there's a lot of incentive for your traders to store the cargo as well. So that could have sparked some, some form of demand in the East itself. Thanks for the detailed explanation, Aldrich. I'm sure our listeners will actually find that very helpful. And I also understand that margins for turning NAFTA into ethylene. Petrochemical, that's the base for many plastic products, have dropped to $85 per tonne on the 21st of July, which I believe is the lowest since 2011. Is there any particular need for concern, perhaps on the freight side? So to be fair, the reason why that happened was really because of very poor downstream demand for China. In terms of freight-wise, the thing about NAFTA crackers itself is there's almost no way for them to cut to below 70% typically. So even if your ethylene margins are very, very low, we'll still have your crackers run at maybe about 70 to 80%. And that's what we've been seeing for most crackers as well. So, I mean, to be very fair, when I first began covering NAFTA in the past, I thought that, you know, it was like a switch in the sense that if your ethylene margins are doing very poorly, you should actually see crackers cut to maybe 20%, 30%. But from my discussions with the crackers, it's because of how the crackers are being designed. There are particular columns that have to be run, if not. So really, at best, you can cut at 70%. So looking at ethylene margins, it might seem really bleak for NAFTA demand. But because of this theory, you basically see your crackers still buying NAFTA at this point in time. Perfect. Thanks very much, Aldrich. So back to you, Sean. We were talking about freight volatility. So what happened after the record high rates in June? Yeah, so as what Audrey has shared, because of the weaker margins, the high freight rates were unable to sustain for long and fell from late June onwards. So on 13th of July, freight rates had fallen to about 22 to 30. 34% to WorldSQ 197.5 for MR2, WorldSQ 280 for MR1, and WorldSQ 385 for MR shipments from the Mid-East Gulf to Japan and East Asia from their two years high in mid of June. So just for comparison, using the same time period, we recorded a 51% drop of 22 total NAFTA fixtures into Japan and East Asia for the second half of June. And tonnage supplies have also recovered to about 22 LR2 vessels by the end of June. But despite an uptick of spot shipping fixtures recorded in the first week of July, where we saw 9 LR2 fixtures, freight rates did not improve because tonnage supplies were ample and they grew to about 26 LR2 vessels for loading in the second week of July. And freight rates into UKC have also fallen from its high of over $5 million to about $3.8 million on our LR2. Sure. Thanks, Sean. Aldrich, would you mind then letting us know how it's looking over on the product side? And why did demand falter? Drug margins-wise, they have been coming off quite a fair bit, despite it being, I will say, peak transportation demand in the US. So a, a few things, and to be honest, this is not something that most people forecasted, especially this big downturn in the prices. For, so even for gasoline-wise, you see margins actually fell off about 85%. 
So that means it's almost from 30 over dollars per ton. It fell to about $2 per ton, uh, sorry, per barrel margins uh, just yesterday. So the big reason is because of this recessionary fears in the US. So US itself was the main, I would say, the, the main demand center in summer. But because of, uh, you know, slightly or very high gasoline prices, we actually see demand dropping quite a fair bit in the US, despite it being a, a peak demand season. So your RBOR, which is your a paper value that signifies US gasoline has come up quite a fair bit and that has kind of have a knock-on impact on the Asian gasoline flows as well. For NAFTA-wise, there are a lot of cracker run cuts for sure. To the extent whereby you see a major bias of NAFTA, such as a Formosa actually selling your NAFTA. So that is really, you know, I would say unprecedented. And if you look at the amount of crackers actually brought forward their turnarounds to August, it's from, you know, from September. That is one reason why you see a lot of demand falling off quite drastically and I'd rather say quite unexpectedly as well. All right. Thanks, Aldrich. Sean, so going back to the recent volatility that we've discussed in clean tanker freight rates, interestingly, on time charter equivalent rates, MRs have now taken the lead, earning about $20,000 per day more than LR2s and about $12,000 per day more than LR1s. Listeners, just for context, LR2s were earning about, on average, $7,000 per day more than MRs in May. So why have MRs become the favorite vessel size? Ah, yes. So given the recent volatile freight rates, as well as the lackluster demand for NAFTA, we believe that the product traders could have taken a more conservative approach in trading smaller passes. This also allows them to spread out their trade financing loans and credit risks. In fact, on a world-scale comparison, the spread between the smaller vessels such as the MRs and LR1s were wider than the LR2 after mid-June. This was because of ample tonnage for the LR2. But demand for LR1 in the West and to Europe and Africa kept tonnages in check. And of course, MRs were the preferred size when market is uncertain and risk appetites are small. Got it. Thanks, Sean. So guys, I guess to wrap things up, do you have any outlook for the markets going forward? What should we expect over the next few months and over in Q4? Yeah, seasonally, freight rates have gone up in Q4 because of increased demand for petroleum products for the winter. But let's hear what are Aldrich's thoughts this year with the ongoing Russia and Ukraine conflict. I think the conflict itself makes, makes the market quite hard to, to forecast, to be very fair. But something that we know for sure is that sanctions will come in full force in Q4 2022. And that should push up West prices quite a fair bit. Uh, the reason why I say why is West specific is because in terms of Q4, of course, that's when peak winter demand comes in, peak heating demand comes in, and that's when your gas prices will really show its strength just by virtue of your Russian gas prices or gas, gas uh, flows since the cap will be back then. So in terms of gas oil wise, what we really see is there will be a knock-on impact from your gas prices. So gas prices being very high will have a knock-on impact on fuel oil because those are for power generation as well. And when your fuel prices are very high, that's when the knock-on impact on gas oil prices. So although looking at Q3 prices right now, it seems to be a bit lower than normal. I would say for Q4-wise, your prices should pick up quite a fair bit and you see a lot more EG India to uh, West flows. Ah, okay. So thanks, Audric. That would add to more ton mile demand and freight rates may trains trend sideways or increase. But it's unlikely to fall to the lows of World Skill 75 for 75,000 ton shipment from the Mid-East Gulf to Japan as seen at the start of this year before the Russian-Ukraine conflict began. All right, that's excellent, guys. Thank you both for taking the time and thank you everyone for listening into our podcast today. I hope it was insightful. 
Details on Argus Freight and our Asia-Pacific product services are available on the Argus Media website, and our daily assessments and commentaries can be found on our respective reports. Further freight content is freely available on the Weight of Freight website. So until then, take care and stay safe.